Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to If We Can Just Say. I am your host, Stephen Ogle, and as always with me is my co-host and lovely wife, Jessica Carter Ogle. Hello, everyone. And uh, for those of you uh, that might be new and or old listeners, I have one of my best friends on the podcast with us this week, my buddy, Ricky Ayers. Hey, what's going on, y'all? All right. Yes. So, um... Why is Ricky on the podcast? That's a good question. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> so, um, just to, we're going to get into it, uh, but as the the brief uh, overview of it is that I've known Ricky since August of 1999, before I even moved to Michigan. Um, probably one of the longest running friends I've had in my entire life, next to my friend Tay and my friend Chris. So, um, I thought it was appropriate to have him on. I thought that he has a story that's that's very unique and uh, pull yourself by your up by your own bootstraps type of guy. So I wanted to have that on there because I feel like our listeners would benefit and maybe even be inspired by some of the things that happened to him and what he's done with it. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of our favorite things about doing the podcast is telling our story and hearing other people's stories and hearing getting other people's comments and stuff like that. So human interest pieces, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah, so and I'm hoping for some stories that I don't know about Stephen <laughs> that make him look ridiculous. He's, he's got a few that he's going to throw out there that are definitely going to make me look funny, but it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Um, so Did we give Ricky a chance to say hi? Yeah, say, uh, Ricky? Hey, what's up, y'all? Yeah. I can't believe I've known you since 99. doesn't seem like it's been that long, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, we're, <laughs> we're almost, I mean, like 24 years, 23 years, something like that. Like, it's, it's, it's insane. It's very cool, though. Like, I, I feel like as... It's one of those things. Our relationship has ebb and flowed. Like sometimes, sometimes we spend a ton of time together. Sometimes we don't see each other for months. But regardless, when we come back together, it's like we never missed a beat. So it's like we're brothers, bro. Solid yeah. friendships. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And yeah. Ricky, is that that's your preferred name, Ricky? Yeah, call me whatever okay. you want. Yeah, yeah, whenever you want. Got I have it. like a circle of friends that call me Ricky. Like my closest friends know. Like my yeah. wife calls me Ricky. Yeah. Okay. But then like all my professional people, they call me by my legal name, Richard. Yeah. Okay. Or they call me Rick. So yeah. it doesn't matter. Stephen likes to refer to you as Ricardo. Ricardo. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I, think yeah. it was your given name, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, him and my grandfather, the only two people that have ever called me Ricardo. Really? That's yes. funny. Okay. Yeah, in my phone, he's always been Ricardo. Yeah. yeah. He'll be like, oh, I talked to Ricardo earlier. I'm like, oh, interesting. It's yeah. okay. He would he would call me at the bank like, what's up, Ricardo? I'm like, what's up, Louis? <laughs> yeah. My brother likes to call him Louie. He loves it. Yeah. He sing, sing, sings the song and everything. It's yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. It's good times. Yeah. All right. So, um, so, as I mentioned, we met in 1999. Um, you also may hear Andrea laugh in the background. She's in studio, so you may, you may hear an extra laughter in there um so we met in 99 but you are michigan born and raised yes sir so tell me a little bit yeah go blue tell tell everybody a little bit about your history where you grew up like what it was like for you growing up in michigan yeah man i mean i grew up uh born and raised in michigan uh from what i was told like you know infant years and whatnot i was actually born in pontiac michigan spent most of my childhood in pontiac uh moved a lot of places uh I think probably moved like 12, 13 times by the time I was in middle school. Wow. So but most of my like school years were in Pontiac schools, grew up downtown Pontiac. So uh, a lot like Flint, Michigan, very industrial, you know, shop stuff and automotive is ebbs and flows. So with um, all those moves, you were still in the same area. So still in the same school, just like, same no. sc- so you were in different school, yeah. that many different like school. That's yes. a lot on a kid. Yeah. A lot on a kid. It, it grew up as you can kind of read between the lines there. Parents had some stuff that they had to work out and I was the byproduct of their poor decisions sometimes. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, hey. moved around, but I think yeah. as far as the only consistent thing is I had, you know, like friends that I had with church and then also was in Pontiac schools for most of my life. So. And you, if I remember correctly, you graduated from Pontiac Central, right? Yes, sir. Which is non-existent anymore. Non-existent. It's actually Lee Industrial Contracting. Used to be, a, it was designed by the same people that designed a prison out in L.A. True story. You the walk school into, was yeah, designed by prison. Big concrete thing. So if you're familiar with the with the downtown Pontiac area off of Huron, if you're going, uh, I think it's uh, uh, westbound, uh, and you'll see it on the right-hand side coming out of downtown. It's now Lee Industrial Contracting. It was actually designed by oh. the same architects that used to design prisons. You walk in, same block format, you name it. Like, you literally thought you were in a prison. Wow. wow. Remember on the school bus, we used to say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Rock. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. It, it, it was like that. But it, it was it was a really cool place. Very, very different, you know. Yeah. Um, it was a really cool place. I loved it. Well, that's good because it 
I was like, are we going to where he didn't like it? Because he actually felt like he was in prison. No. So good to hear that it <laughs> yeah. actually wasn't horrible. I mean, we did have metal detectors, but. Yeah, know. well, I would imagine. <laughs> so your extracurriculars in school, you yeah. d- I know you did robotics team. Tell us a little bit about that. You did some football and basketball. and. Yeah, I mean, I, I played a lot of sports from like fifth grade on. Um, a lot of pickup sports and then organized sports in like middle school. Started playing football. Really fell in love with that. Uh, it was right around the time Michigan won the national title back in 97. So nice. Hope cool. we can do that again this year. But uh, <laughs> anyways, we'll see. But no, I played a lot of sports, and then um, I started playing football, soccer, and then uh, sophomore year I started getting into robotics. wasn't because I was trying to be smart. Like, they were getting free trips to Disney. I'm like, I want to go to Disney So you were smart free. in a different way. <laughs> Heck yeah. So nice. Yeah. I nice. ended up, you know, really liking it. It was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you what? What did you do on the robotics team? What was your, what was your? Do you guys just build role? robots? Like what is? Yeah, it's a actually, robotics team. Yeah, so a lot of people <laughs> know the program now. Like it's really popular, kind of mainstream now across the schools okay. across the U.S., um, even worldwide now too, from my understanding. But um, first robotics for inspiration, recognition of science, technology. So first robotics organization. So it was a small organization, grew rapidly, but uh, it promotes you know all the STEM, you know, science, technology, you know. Yeah, uh, manufacturing things like that, engineering. Okay. And, uh, but what I did, it was really cool. We got mentored by you know different uh, engineers that would come in and teach you everything from how to manufacture to engineer and design things. Um, I was really hands on. I was like the mechanic, so I knew everything of the robot. Learned really cool things that I didn't know how important it was at the time, like learning yeah. like how to program and code and PLCs and things like that. Uh, but then I was also one of the drivers, so I could drive it around. You know, it wasn't like the old BattleBots show. Like, yeah. you grew up on in high school. You nice. Know? It was nice. actually it was really cool. They give you this game where you have to, like, you have two other teams that are competing against you. You have a, a partnership team where you're working together, forming alliances to execute a function of a game. Okay. So applies very, That's cool. very well to modern day where you're working with different teams and stuff. Yeah. My brain never worked in the science and technology and math and stuff like that. So we're going to see a theme with your story, and I'm already seeing it in high school. You're <laughs> learning already to be part of a team yeah. and somewhat lead, Yeah, which is cool. That's, and you're yeah. learning the intricacies where you're not just a leader who says what to do, but you're a leader that also knows what to do. Yeah. So... That's that's a good theme that's going to run through this that I like about your story. So what else were you doing outside of school? What was your fa- family-like life? I know you guys went to church and that sort of thing. So talk a little bit about that because you had some influences that were from not just the engineering side, but you had also other influences. Yeah, uh, you know, outside of school, I mean, that's probably the only reason why I spent a lot of my time staying out of trouble. Because uh, growing up in the urban city, you know, I was like the only white kid on my football team. They used to call me Rudy. I was the smallest kid, the only white kid. <laughs> so if you like Facebook stalk me, you'll see me. I'm like, like some mean mugging white dude. But, <laughs> and you can see me. I'm like the only white kid on the team next to the water boy. It's great. Oh, um, that's awesome. But, you know, I mean, playing sports kept me out of trouble. Uh, but I did find my fair share amount of trouble outside of school. Just never got caught. Um, my kids want to know I those stories. I believe that about yeah. you, that you just didn't like, hey, get Dad, caught. have you ever been arrested? I'm like, nope. Have you ever been in the back of the cop car? Yep. What? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. N- nope. We'll wait till you get older. Probably talked you your way out of that. Uh, yeah. Yes, I did. Uh. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I'm always like, Ricky is like a car salesman, but like without the sleaze. Like yes. the first time I met him, I was like, oh, he is like, yes, he could talk his, what, a woman in white gloves, a ketchup popsicle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Tommy <could> boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've le- You've had to learn. Um, yeah. I've probably talked my way out of many high school suspensions back in the day. So, uh, <laughs> but to answer your question, man, I mean, I spent a lot of time, um, you yeah, know, that's how we met through church and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, I had a lot of big influences, you know, in our church and, you know, my youth group, my youth leaders and stuff like that. Um, but then I had a lot of friends that I met through the youth group, you know, um, my friend Nate, you know, and he's yep. doing his own thing. Kind of a lot like you and I, very busy. Life's go, you know, goes in different directions, but pick up the phone call and it's like nothing, you know, you couldn't tell it. We haven't talked to each other in a while. Yeah. Um, but so I did a lot of that and, you know, it's kind of hard to say, I mean, you know, thinking about <laughs> like, wow, man, I've, yeah. I've done a lot. So. But you had, uh, speak about some of your influences. Like you mentioned uh, the Bikemas, you mentioned yeah. the Bartleys in, yeah. in our notes for, oh, yeah, for yeah, yeah, what yeah, we yeah. took for notes for this, uh, for the listeners. We, family you know, and stuff. It, you know, we talked about a few of these things before we jump on here, so yeah. we're not just cold, you know, going in ice cold. But you had some significant influences for you. Talk a, bit, yes. a little bit about those. Yeah, it's actually, thanks for reminding me, because uh, I was going through writing those notes. I'm like, man. 
wow, it's been a long time. Um, you know, some of the biggest influences in my life were like my grandparents, my mom's parents, uh, my grandfather, he passed away just before my son was born. Yeah. So back in 2009, I think it was. So, uh, father around father's day of Oh nine, somewhere around there is when he passed away. My grandfather yeah. was closest thing. I mean, my dad and I have a great relationship now, but growing up as a kid, you know, my dad was working quite a bit. Um, didn't know why at the time, you know, when you're growing up, you know, mom and dad go through things, but yeah. don't know why dad's not around. It wasn't a broken household. My dad was just working literally from some up, sun up, some down to provide. Yeah. Um, so my grandfather, you know, was there and probably the closest thing I had to a very stable father, um, where I didn't have any like anger and wasn't mad at him or anything like that. You know, my grandmother was, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. a lot like a mom to me cause my mom had her own fair share of challenges, you know? Yeah. Um, then Alan Becky Bikema were our uh, youth leaders in our youth group and uh, spent a lot of time with them. You know, as going up through, you know, you understand, like, very weird time between middle school and high school. And then you get into the adult world, and like, oh, man, yeah. i got to grow up now. There's <laughs> there's a lot that happens in those formative years, and, and you're, you're malleable. Right. You're, did, you can, you're easily molded. Did you find that having, like, that church influence was helpful in the kind of area that you grew up in and, like, things you saw and... Yeah, it was. I mean, I saw a lot of crap, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember I remember growing up, you know, early high school, you know, wasn't I had a couple of friends that unfortunately were, you know, wrong side of the tracks involved in gang violence and, you know, died because of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you make poor choices and you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. You know, <laughs> um, that's, that's the only way to say it. You know, I tell yeah. my kids this all yeah. the time. They laugh. But I'm like, no, you make bad decisions. You reap bad consequences. But yeah. Uh, yeah. But the church, was, I mean, I spent a lot of the time because, you know, there are a lot of things that were uncertain for me growing up as a kid, you know, moved a lot, didn't have a lot of good friends. Um, I, it was a lot like my daughter. I'm very creative. Um, didn't make friends well until I got into like middle school. I needed like a lot of, you know, one-on-one attention. Cause technically I was like an only child. My sister and I are like eight years apart. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, is she older or younger? She's eight years younger, younger. than me. So okay. yeah. I joke around and call her the shot in the dark that did miss, but you know, <laughs> it's heartwarming. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I love my sister. She's got yeah. some challenges, but um, you know, just you're eight years apart. You know, she's getting into you know elementary school, and here I am in high school. You know, so you know, I've yeah. always been there. But uh, but yeah, the church really provided you know a good solid core group of friends. You know, mm-hmm. that's how I got connected with Steve. Yeah. Um, you know, I met my wife through the church and everything like that. Uh, and then Alan Becky Bikema, you know, were there through a lot, you know, teaching me to be good examples because, you know, when you're around a lot of broken environments, all you, all you know is what you know. You see what's around you. Yeah. There's a lot of people going nowhere real quick. Yeah. Um, so you need those big positive influences. My grandparents, my family provided that. My, you know, my uncle David was my mom's oldest brother. Still to this day, I look up to him a lot. Um, Things happen, you know, and you just spend time apart as a family. But, um, but Alan Becky Bikema are crucial because you know we talked, you, you know this, but my mom had passed away going to my high school or senior year of high school. You know? Yeah, they what, helped me get through that. So. Which was shortly after I moved up here. Yes. Um, it man, if we go back just a little bit, you started playing drums. Yeah, because you were playing drums when I met you. That's how yeah. we met. So, what happened in which got you into drums? What was the what was the catalyst that brought you into playing drums? Who was the person or what was the band or whatever, the, the drummer? You no, know, I'm saw? glad you asked that. I'm like, dude, I forgot to write that down in my notes, man. Yeah. So uh, growing up as a kid, man, uh, the pastors of our, one of the pastors of our church, Al Cooper, just, you know, watching him play drums. And I love Pastor Al, you know, and yeah. we used to always stand there and watch him play drums, you know. I mean, it's not really much to church music. I mean, you play the same stupid beat and, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Um but then my parents had some really good friends, Adam and Sherry on Zurus. Adam was, you know, this like bigger than life guy. He was, you know, physically a pretty big dude, but it's like, you know, the biggest, most friendliest Mexican you'd ever meet. Yeah. Uh, and he just taught me, you know, my parents were uh, in between like elementary school going into high school or uh, middle school is fifth to sixth grade. We moved in with Adam and Sherry for a little bit, stayed in their basement for about a year. Okay. And Adam had this big old school, like, uh, Ludwig set, you know, carpet on the outside. Nice. I think it was the bottom shells moved out. And so, and if you're an old school music fan, like think like ACDC, old school Metallica, Led Zeppelin, you know, yeah. CCR, nice. Stevie Ray, Hendrix, you know, and he would just sit there and like plug his stuff in and just crank up, a, you know, and just start playing. I remember him very, very vividly, you know, playing the machine 
just like welcome to the machine just start you know jamming on his drums nice so he taught me the first beat i ever learned how to play was just some mexican polka boom chip boom chip boom chip boom chip you know <laughs> so i sit there you know playing some mexican polka and it just kind of got out of control and then parents couldn't afford a drum set you know once we moved out so just has to learn how to play hand drums all beating on stuff and yeah you know, like we were playing a game the other night with our kids and you know it's something my wife's really good at is making sure i'm spending time and you know kind of getting away from work and i can get very addictive in the, what i do and uh but you know i'm sitting there rat, you know tapping on the hand on the on the table she's like you're doing it again I'm like oh i didn't realize <laughs> it but uh but yeah man so adam and Zura's taught me a lot how to play drums and then getting into the church stuff it just kind of started doing it and got out of control so when I met you, you were playing drums. You were playing a djembe and a doombeck at the time, mm-hmm. which if folks don't know what a doombeck is, it literally makes those two sounds. It makes a doom, doom for back. a bass sound and a beck for yep. like a, a snare drum sound. Yep. And uh, it's uh, a djembe is more of a wooden drum with uh, with like... Uh, deep bass. Yeah, deep bass in it. So um, I was playing guitar at the time, and I actually met you and I met Andrea on the yep. same night. Really? Yeah. I met. I actually... I think I met you... Because you were one of the first people there because it was a coffee house. Yep, yep. We were going to play some music at a coffee house, and mm-hmm. I was in town visiting friends that I had met at Cornerstone. So yep. for you listeners that have heard me talk about Cornerstone before, um, in 99, I came to Michigan to uh, surprise. Actually, uh, is is it either Andrea's cousin, Kara? Yeah, it was Kara, I think. Yeah, so I surprised her for her birthday because yep. I met her at Cornerstone and everybody that was in her camp were like, mm-hmm. oh, man, you should come up and surprise her. I was like, that'd be great. I've never left Tennessee before without my parents. Cool. <laughs> um, so, and so I met, I met you two, and I met uh, Andrea's sister, Jenny, as mm-hmm. well on the same night. Yep. Um, which, for spoiler alert, for those that don't know, I ended up dating Jenny for a while, and that's one of the reasons I moved to Michigan. Yeah, she brought you to <laughs> Michigan. Thanks, yeah. Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we'll post a photo. I got a yeah. photo um, and and uh, from a birthday party of mine after I moved up here yep. with you and me and Andrea and Bruce and Jason and Corey yep. and Kim and I think Sarah was there. Like Cindy O'Neill, I think was in that uh, picture as well. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, man, it and it's crazy to look back because I I'm like, man, we were all so young. Yes. It was it was like 2001, 2002. Man, yeah. what so a time. So then how old were you guys then? Because, Ricky, you're a few years younger than us, Yeah, I'm right? 30 now. I'll be 40 next year. Okay. So yeah. So Steve turned 40 before me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. But, I mean, so. it sounds like with where you came from, you had, like, every opportunity. I don't want to say to fail, but to, like, fall. You could, like, fall through the cracks. But you were very adamant in working towards being better yeah i it, guess it you know like it didn't come naturally very you got very motivated yeah. in trying new things and keeping yourself busy and keeping growing as opposed to you've seen what how people had fallen yeah. and you didn't want to do that yeah i mean it didn't come easily i mean the right. easiest way to explain it is like uh because of the way you know i grew up you know I, my dad did everything he could provide and he's done a great job and i learned my work ethic from my dad and my mom was awesome too had her own challenges but um, I mean, the doctors told my parents when I was born that I was a fa- that I probably wouldn't make it. I was a failure to thrive. I was skin and bones. True story. Wow. Wow. Uh, there's an organization here in Michigan called the Shriners. Really good. Yeah. P- really good thing. They do a lot of like philanthropy. They give to the community specifically like medical procedures and stuff. And like probably up until about my I was about eight or nine years old, I was like skin and bones, man. Like wow. And just you know, and then I uh, had a, I had AD, I have ADHD, so if I space out while talking, you understand why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I still do that. You know, I have a full blown conversation with my wife in the car, like at home, and I'm like, what did I just say? Um, but you know, I'm so, sure she loves that. <laughs> you know, it drives you nuts. Sometimes it drives me nuts because I'll be working and I'm I'm really focused on something. Like, what the hell was I working yeah. on? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, the doctors, you know, told my parents I was failure to thrive wasn't, you know, going to be very challenging for me. Uh, and then because of being ADHD and just going up with a lot of the things that I had, like I acted out my behavior. Uh, yeah. And so going to counseling and stuff like that, Easter Seals is a great organization. Um, so I had a lot of free counseling, you know, that was available to me from, you know, my parents and my mom found that, you know, and it was, it helped me out, but That's great. they said that, you know, your kid's probably going to be in and out of the institutional system. He'll be jailed, go to juvie, 
I mean, I had my first arson charge when I was nine years old, dude. Come on. Um, true story. I think I told you about that. I don't know if I wrote that in the notes or no, not. No. That's the first um, time hearing of that. Okay. was not in the yeah. notes. Oh, uh, so we could talk about that one. But, yeah, I mean, I was they, – they were confident, but only by the grace of God that I wasn't, you know. But um, my parents are very responsive. That would know, be a hard thing to hear as a parent because it's just, yeah. like, so, like, flat. Like, yep, yeah. this is what's going to happen. This is it. There's yeah. no alternative. But Man. that's not. Yeah, my dad. My case. dad's very blue collar. You know, his workshops his whole life. You know, my dad's got the hugest heart. You know, there's never. My dad would give like his last two dimes in his bank mm-hmm. account to help someone. If you need him, he's there. He's been awesome for us with our kids and stuff. And if we ever need a babysitter, like need a free babysitter, sure. Yeah. You know, best kind. Um, <laughs> yes, free. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, my dad worked a lot. You know, and so my mom was the business person. You know, she was always motivated. My mom actually wanted to be a doctor. She went through pre med and stuff like that. Oh and wow. Money and things got complicated, so she never did. But she always, you know, got into things and. She helped kind of keep me focused and out of trouble to the point with arson. It was my parents were working quite a bit. My cousin yeah. was babysitting me, and it was like a big sister, really. So we we're fighting like cats and dogs. She's okay. like 16. I'm like nine. She dropped out <laughs> of school, you know, and I'm like, so we're just fighting. Like, like you think it's like about to be like UFC 46 in the living room <laughs> fighting, you know? Uh, true wow. story. And, and it's a, to the whole point, like, I like to play with fire. You'll probably hear about that a little bit later, but. Yeah, I would like make like these little you know homemade flamethrowers as a kid, where you like dump anything flammable inside of a super soaker and pump it up. Wow! And uh, it kind of got out of control. Block your kids' ears at this point, <laughs> parents. <laughs> oh. No, but I, I caught a dumpster on fire, threw a book of matches in there, didn't think nothing about it. It went out. Didn't wow. know how fire worked, and next thing you know, fire department's knocking at the door, like, "Hey, there's a fire!" I'm like, "Oh snap!" I'm really glad you're still <laughs> with us, Ricky. <laughs> oh, so, just kidding. Anyway. Hey, just throw that out there. Yeah. So, so what? Oh. No, go ahead. All right. I feel like I haven't been. You haven't let me get a word in, man. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> how old were you when you met Andrea? Then, how did all that? That's a debatable point. She swears that I was <laughs> older, uh, but I, I would say I was about thirteen years old. I remember very vividly. It was about seventh grade. So when I met her, I knew I was going to marry her the day I first saw her. True story. So, so. when did you guys start dating? Like at thirteen? No. Or? Um, it was kind of like, like a wow. Love, you guys it, have been together for a while. It, it was a love hate relationship. She loved to hate me, and I loved to annoy her. Um, kind but no, of sounds like our marriage a little bit. A little no, bit, yeah. little bit, little bit. I believe I was told this morning that your favorite thing in the world is to annoy me. Oh, it's a blast. <laughs> no, we. Uh, I mean, it was you know typical you know puppy love back in the day. You yeah, know, like you're just infatuated, and so. I generally just wanted to be her friend and, you know, kept pursuing her. And, you know, she's like, no, I don't like you Um, like that. You know, (laughs) nothing. But always, I mean, if you got, if you know my wife, she's like the most caring and sincere person you ever meet. So um, we really didn't start dating probably until high school, you know, and then it was a little again, out again, off again, out again, off again. And then finally, it was like 2003 ish, just shortly after we graduated high school, things kind of got serious. So. Yeah. And then you've been together ever since. Yeah. What year did you guys get married? Got married in 2005, December. Wow. Yeah. So you've been married for a while. 17 years this year. Yeah. Wow. Man. Yes. Yeah. Which is crazy because most people don't. I mean, I have friends that, you know, got married around the same time that I did that aren't married anymore. Yeah. <sighs> Nothing wrong. I mean, things happen in relationships. Like, Well, too, when you're when you're that young, there's a lot of figuring yourself out. Yes. So not every relationship can withstand figuring yourselves out while you're growing she's growing your relationship's growing that's a lot of change right that can happen in your formative years yes i think almost all of us that got married during the time in which you got married got Mm -hmm. divorced oh yeah you almost every one of us right there's there's like three or four people that you and I were good yep. friends with, guys yep. wise, that yep. didn't get divorced. Almost every one of us did. Though. See, Ricky yeah. is determined. Like he is gonna make it. <laughs> yes. He's gonna make it. He's getting everything. So speaking of that, being determined, at a certain point, you started working at the movie theater. Yeah, and you started out selling popcorn and working at the concessions, right? Yeah, hustling popcorn and candy on the weekends, man. So he as, would say hustling popcorn. <laughs> hey, you want to upcharge that for fifty cents? Come on, you get twice as much for fifty yep, cents more. Yeah, want to throw some candy in there? See, so, folks, salesman. So, the salesmanship started. Was that still Star at the time, or was it AMC? By that, that was point? Star at the time. And yeah. I, and salesmanship actually started when I was hustling uh, 
basketball cards and football cards. Like, I would literally just set up, like, you have lemonade stands. Yeah. I'm, like, literally, I knew nothing about memorabilia at the time. So I'm, like, actually, I had some pretty nice cards. I'm laying them out on the concrete, putting rocks on top of them. <laughs> you going to buy my card, you know? <laughs> uh, and then they run, like, different fundraisers through school. So I literally, like... Uh, yeah, like world famous chocolate company here in Michigan, I think they're a uh, morally company or yeah. something like that. So, yeah. uh, they're probably a national brand obviously, but yeah. I would go dock like door knocking door to door in my apartment complex. You want to buy candy? Nope. Want to buy candy? Nope. Go to the grocery stores. Hey, you want to buy some candy? Nope. <laughs> you know, I just, it's what yeah. I did, you know, like, uh, but I think that's that like, and I think we're all from that like blue collar yeah, background yeah. of yeah. like. If you don't advocate for yourself, if you don't do it for yourself, nobody's going to do it I for you. So right. you have to be, you have to have pride in yourself. You have to have motivation to get yourself there. I, I would say that's the same for all three, all of us here, that we're only where we are. Yeah. Good support yeah. system, but we're only where we are because we, it was instilled in us that like, you have to get yourself yeah. there. If yeah. you want something out of life, you have to get it. Yeah. And obviously you didn't want to stay being, doing concessions there and you no. moved your way up. Talk yeah. about that a little bit. Talk about that process of what what was your drive? What was your mindset for going, I'm not staying here. I'm going, I want to be, yeah. spoiler alert for everybody, I want to be able to be in the projection room with a, right. where they play the movies. Like, right. what, what was that mindset like for you? I mean, it really started out, um, and I'll kind of, I don't know where, if you're planning on going here yet, but I'll, I'll bring it up. So it really started after my mom had passed away. So my mom passed away going into my senior year of high school. I just turned 18. She passed away a couple of weeks later uh, getting into, you know, high school. Like I was sports, National Honor Society, robotics, and I was doing everything. And then I quit all that to help take care of my sister so my dad could still work. And then that's a lot to ask of a high school kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, I had some money stashed and I was stuck with my sister at the time. If you're 18 and you have your own independence, have a car and do stuff, and then suddenly you're responsible for a kid. It's a big, it's a big step. So I remember, you know, having money stashed away and taking care of my sister so my dad could plan the funeral and all that crap, you know. Yeah. I was glad I could help him. But fast forward, it was like I saw how hard my parents had to work, what we had to go through. And I'm like, I don't want that for my kids, me or my wife. You, you want know? something different for yeah, yourself. Yeah, I want something a lot different. And so it was like, okay, I need to get a job. I got to do something because I wasn't going to ask my dad to take care of that. Right. Yeah. So got a job at the theater. I literally showed up in jeans and a button-up tee, like a button-up uh Shirt, you know, I didn't know nothing about it. Nobody told me. My dad didn't pull me aside. Hey, son, this is how you do an interview. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm like what up? Let me get this job. <laughs> You're like, literally, that's exactly what I did because that's all I knew. Um, but you dressed for the part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but got the job and then started working, you know, weekends uh, while I was in high school. And then it, as soon as I got out of high school, man, I mean, if the theater was open, I was there working. The only day I took off was Sundays. Yeah. You know, I was working double shifts wherever I could. They'd give me the hours I'd work. Yeah. Uh, did you, know. you do college? Did you, what, did you do any more education after yeah, high school? I did. Uh, I did one semester of college. It wasn't for me. Learn that real quick. Uh, I, I think it's not for everyone. I for sure. I wish that we lived in a world that pushed trade school more. Yeah. That like our infrastructure is just going to collapse because it's like everyone has to go to college and get this bachelor's degree. They can do nothing with right. and you know back in the day it was you have a bachelor our parents generation you have like a bachelor's degree like you're set like you yeah. are good you can work forever now it's like you have a, I'm, my master's doesn't guarantee me no. a job so i hired an mba as a teller back in the day at the bank yeah like to, See, to bring that point yep. like sharp person uh you know i won't say her name in case she's listening but like i'm like you realize like you have an mba from michigan you know yeah yeah uh and i hired as a teller she was okay with it you know? I, I worked in the lab. I worked with somebody who had their master's yeah. degree from University of Michigan, and I was like, "Why are you here?" Like, yeah. and she's like, "I can't find a job," which is crazy. But uh, yeah, but yeah. So you you worked your way up pretty quick. Like, how long did you go from being a concessionist to being a manager, and then eventually managing your own store because you managed one over on John R for a while? Uh, let's see. I started there in like 2001, and then I quit. Slash got fired in 2005. Okay. So about four years. So it's probably about a year that I moved up from like just, you know, concessions and, you know, cleaning up puke out of movie theaters to like actually being a team leader and then yeah. projection room. And then I became a corporate trainer. So that was never got to do it. They would actually fly you around to different locations when Star or AMC now 
would open up locations. You would go up and like do a whole new theater build and train a staff. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I always wanted to do it. Never got a chance to, but I would go around to different locations, teach and train people. Yeah. Um, and then eventually became a manager over at the Gratiot at 15 and Gratiot, I think. Yeah. Um, didn't get the job at John R. Cause they got pissed off at me because I told them I wasn't going to work Sundays. Um, I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I didn't work, didn't know that. Like sometimes, if you wanted to get promoted, you had to make sacrifices. So yeah. I got stuck working on Sunday nights. No big deal, whatever. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah. a life lesson, though. You know, yeah. just to go along with anything else. So you kind of just steadily carved your path a little higher and higher from there, correct? In different things. Yeah, it was uh, probably, and Steve remembers this back in the day. Is uh, you know uh, he was roommates with uh, my other buddy Nate, and then uh, his yeah. then at the time brother in law Tony. Um, and, uh, I think our buddy Zach, uh, yep, was Zach crashing was in the basement. I think he was like the hermit in the basement and you never see him cause he's working so much, but, yeah. uh, you know, they get, they got involved with this thing called Quickstar, which is now Amway. You know what <laughs> I come on, come on to watch. It was Amway. Then it yeah. was Quickstar. Then it was Amway again. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I came over, you know, multi-level marketing. Yeah. The MLM. <laughs> yeah. Pyramid. Old school you know. MLM before yeah, it was called real, MLM. Old, yeah. So I like show up and like, you're going to make your million? What are you talking about? Like totally bait and hooked me, man. And like, it was like yeah. drank the Kool-Aid and Mikey Team likes it. Team of destiny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I, I mean, not to, not to knock, but I learned a lot of cool things going through that. Like I learned how to hustle. I mean, I learned business mindset. Like, hey, this is what's possible. You just got to work hard enough. Yeah. You know, and that probably fueled a lot. Like just wanted to be the best at what I could, you know, and. And what are you doing today? Where did that take you? <laughs> That's complicated. <laughs> In what you as can it answer. Al- as it no, always yeah, yeah, yeah. is with Ricky. Like any question has like, wow, well, this, you know. this, yeah. this facet and this facet or this and that. I've I got a thousand s- things in the fire at all times. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm, my yeah. wife, even, I remember I remember sitting very vividly before we had gotten married. It's probably about a couple months before I got married going through our marriage counseling, which was a complete joke. Premarital counseling was like, here, read this book and you know, don't look at porn, don't cheat on your wife kind of thing. Like really, it's just how jacked up like the, some of the premarital counseling stuff is in the church. But anyways, um, my wife's like, well, you got to figure something out. I'm like, well, I could do this. I could do that. She's like, you're such a dreamer, you know? And he used to drive me nuts. Now I'm okay with it. Cause she yep. still say that to me every once in a while. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, fast forward, I mean, starting, you know, selling popcorn and stuff got out of control. It kind of got tired of, you know, movie theaters, nights and weekends wasn't conducive to family life. So my wife and I got real serious, got engaged. And I literally uh, got a job working at a bank, National City, which is now PNC. Uh, And I was working that job in in the theater. And then I got tired of it. And I kind of quit slash got fired at the same time. Like they were going to fire me the same day I was giving my letter. I'm like, deuces. (laughs) Literally true story. Like this is not made up. I'm literally, it's like Valentine's Day or something like that. Walking out of the theater and the popcorn popper, like, catches on fire in the theater, like, smoking, fire alarm walk. I'm just walking out. Like, you're going to do? I'm like, I don't work here anymore. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I walk out and leave. Oh, um, wow. But, I mean, growing up, you know, I got really passionate about money and finance, like, just the world of investing and, you know, insurance and investing and stuff like that was digging Robert Kiyosaki books and yeah. Dave Ramsey stuff. Fast forward. And now I'm, uh, I'm an independent advisor. You know, I work with Primerica. Um, been doing that for eight and a half years now, regional vice president with them. Uh, can't really solicit anything like that, but you know, right between the lines, I help people with insurance and investments. That's about all I can say there. Yeah. Um, but that's good. You like it. It's been good for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been fun. Um, but for, I guess my thing is, is I look at that and I go, cause I mean, the listener doesn't know the full history that I remember in my brain. So when I look at that, I recap and I go, you you built yourself up in the movie, in the theater business. Then you then you started at the ground level in the banking industry, and you moved yourself yeah. up in the banking industry. And then you went to Primerica. By that point, you had had so much experience in being on every tier that when you went to Primerica, you were already ready to put a rocket on your back and go. Yeah. And that's literally and what you you've did. done yeah. since you got there. And. I guess my thing is probably one of the largest reasons outside of you being one of my best friends of having you on was that like, that's the pull yourself up by your own bootstraps that I mentioned in the very beginning. That's the not going to not going to be, I'm not going to be held down. Right. I'm going to take everything I've learned and go. And that, that to me is what's really cool. So with Primerica, like what's that been like for you when you look back and you go, I was a, you know, I used to, serve people popcorn and try to get them 50 cent 
upgrade or whatever and now you're doing this what do you what do you what do you think about that kid back then what do you think of that mentality now what is that how does that work for you you know that's uh i've been spending a lot of time thinking about a lot of stuff because there's some things in the works right now where you know i kind of had to make some tough choices on some stuff but um i look back at that kid you know and i just wanted a chance man like I knew coming up, not having a lot of money, you know, I diehard love the University of Michigan, but schooling was just, I could get in, but I wasn't going to be able to go to classes I wanted to go through right away because of like how bad the Pontiac school system was, you know, which is part of it. I'm like, I don't want to do school. This sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, Thomas Edison, or not Thomas Edison, but uh, uh, what was his face? Um, Tom Sawyer, I think. No, I'm getting them mixed up. Um, Never let your schooling, Mark Twain. Never let your schooling get in the way of your education. Yeah, I was gonna say I've um, got that here in my notes. Yeah, I'm never let your schooling. It. <laughs> if I could, if I could say, it's just it's not being afraid to do the work. You know, hard work beats talent. Talent doesn't work hard. Yeah, and never let your schooling get in the way of your education. Who yeah. said you can't learn to do something? Who told you that? Yeah. And I've always been the challenger. Like, tell me I can't do something. Watch. Um, but I look back and I just see someone who wanted to win, and I still want to win. You know, I, I, it's hard and it drives Andrea nuts. I can't sit still and not do something. I'm like always working on something, even when I'm watching TV or movie. Like I'm. But doing you know something. that's what it takes, especially yeah. if you want to control what you're doing. Yes. If you want to be the type of person in charge of your career and having ownership of that, it does. You can't shut it off. Yeah, I mean, you can ebb and throw flow and, and have a lull when you're having family time and stuff like that. But you you are always on in a respect for that. Yeah, it's a lot of sacrifice. I mean, you know, Steve, you got a you know, background in tech and in the line of work that you do. And then, I mean, Jessica, I mean, you're like boss babe, like you're like ruling <laughs> the business world. She's she, she's like an executive. I, like she, I mean, she I mean, yeah, she's yeah. like, then, yeah, yeah. She's, think about that next time you say you got a serious <laughs> job. But I mean, none yeah. of us can sit back and look like yet. You, you had to sacrifice the time like while our friends yeah. are out partying and getting hammered and doing things like oh, for sure. you're hitting the books. Jessica Steve's, yeah. you know, it, yeah. we're, we're all doing something. You got to mm-hmm. sacrifice something. Yeah. Um, you just got to be willing to do that. Yeah. You know, and I look back, it was I just wanted a chance to win. And I knew the cards were stacked against me if I wasn't going to have the money to go to school or really pursue stuff that I wanted to do. I mean, in a perfect world, I'd go back and get my MBA and my JD at the same time. I'd be, a, you know, an MBA and an attorney and great, you know, and go run big corporations. But you got to understand the lifestyle you want. When I was in the bank, what kind of pushed me over to kind of be on my own and independent was I would look at people at the bank when I went over to Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. I, I went over there in the middle of the financial crisis. So, like, the stuff – I was in the middle of it. I wasn't, like, on Wall Street, but, I mean, I was dealing with a lot of the aftermath. And, yeah. Yeah. And it was like I was looking at my bosses and stuff. These guys are working 80, 90, 100 hours a week. They're addicts. They're drunks. They're broken households, divorced. Their kids hate them. Their wives hate them. And I'm like, I don't want that lifestyle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, with what I do now, I mean – Spent a lot of time understanding money and finance, but then understanding those things, I, you know, kind of got into doing some consulting and I work on building, you know, business systems and platforms to help people in that industry go serve their clients. That's great. Like you, that's a great, I think it's just a great story. Like I think for people who are frustrated, for people who feel like there isn't an option for them, if they don't have the option of that, what you're supposed to do or what you think life looks like, like let go of what you think it looks like and how you think you're supposed to do things and just like fight for the life that you want. You know, you, you said a phrase a minute ago, you were said, how dare somebody try to tell me I can't do something. Mm -hmm. And my dad always told me as a kid, he always said to me, he said, just because somebody's up on a stage and has a microphone doesn't mean they're right. Go read for yourself and figure it out. And that's in that same vein, man. Dude, that like, is like to that point. I mean, I know it's we we. Well, I'll just say we because I love this podcast. We don't get religious. We don't get political or anything like that. But read between yeah. the lines there. Like, watch yeah. the narratives you read and listen to. Oh, Think for, sure. for yourself. Yeah. yeah. I Absolutely. mean, having that upbringing for you, Stephen, brought you to have the confidence to come to Michigan, to leave yeah. a small town, and to come here. So yeah. let's let's get a little bit to Stephen. I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear some story. <laughs> Um, I want to hear some stories I don't know. Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, you know what? Because you brought it up in our notes, let's talk about our trip to Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, that's Paris, the France of the South, correct? Uh, just so everyone knows geographically. Yes. Geographically, for okay. those that care about Jess's nickname of the city of where I grew up in, Paris, Tennessee, France of the South. Oh boy, here we go. Um, so I took Ricky home with me. I don't. Was this over Labor Day? That's the one thing I can't remember. But it was before you got married. 
I know that. It was actually one just, last uh, hurrah in Paris, Tennessee. No, it was, it was no, actually a couple years before. Oh, okay. Um, if I remember correctly, it was just before I graduated high school. My mom had just passed away not too long before that. So, yeah. 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 And I, t- I took you home uh, to meet my parents yep. and meet all my friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. We played music at the church. Yep. Um, but on our way there, I drove at the time a Dodge Neon. That had a uh, uh, those you can't see, but Andrea has just rolled her entire face because man, <laughs> she hated that car. Uh, but uh, I'm just it, glad you're not talking about the Suzuki Samurai. Oh, the, I'm sick of hearing about that. That was that a thing. death trap on wheels. Man. Oh man, I love that vehicle. Anyways, uh, so, but the the Dodge Neon had an exhaust on it that was a, a three inch pipe on the back, so it sounded loud um, and bassy. Um, and so wow, we drove, neon. That's yeah. something. we got on to, we got on 75 and hit South and we hit like the last exit in Michigan. It's getting like, into Monroe. Yeah. Yeah. Monroe area. We pulled off to get some food cause it was late at the time I was working midnight. So we drove yep. the night. Yep. We didn't drive during the day. We drove at night. Oh, those days are gone for you. Oh boy. I that was, that was something. <laughs> um, so we stopped at the gas station, got some food, filled up or whatever, and got back on the highway and you know. Two kids, you know, turn the music up, windows down, jamming, and then some blue lights hit. What, what what was going on with that? What was the blue lights for? What'd you do? Well, yeah, see, like back in back in that time, like the ridge, the first Fast and the Furious just came out. Oh so boy, young, yep, late teens, early adulthood guys. Steve's like <laughs> l- wanting to like build a ricer, like. Yeah. You know, if you understand how those cars sound, like, you know, yeah. Steve's like jamming out, it's got a big sub. It's like it's like rap meets like indie cars. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we get pulled over yeah. and uh Steve, you know, like most young guys do, they get really cocky and lippy with the cop. Person you don't want to get lippy right. with. It's <laughs> like, you know why I pulled you over? He's like, No, officer, we're just heading down to Tennessee to go uh, you know, play some music and in and, and uh yeah. He's like, Well, your your exhaust is super loud. He's like, No, it's not. Well, I beg to differ, sir. Like, I could hear it a mile away. He's like, and? <laughs> so, I'm like, dude. So, he goes back to the yeah. car. We're getting written up, you know, and he comes like, hey, you know your tags are expired? Oh, uh, like, What are you was, talking about? Oh, and, you told me about how you didn't understand how and I was it like, here. I was like, wait a second. I just bought this car like a month ago. What do you mean the tags are expired? He goes, sir, the tags expire on your birthday. And I looked at him. I said, I, what? They expire the year that I bought the car. I was like, because in Tennessee, when you buy a car, the tags are good for a year, and then you redo them. That it's it's yeah. it's insane that that's the way Tennessee does it. Because it perhaps should... he wouldn't even have brought that up if you weren't being your <laughs> stubborn self. But the thing is, the thing is, is that like in Michigan, they do it right. It's on your birthday. You're yeah. not going to forget yeah. that. Yeah. And I don't forget that now. But at the time, I li- I started laughing, and the cops started laughing at me too because he was like, I was like, I had no idea. And he's like, yep, well, here's this thing. So if you get pulled over on your trip, be sure that you show them that you've Did already you been pulled ticket? over. I, I got a ticket for it. I had to pay yeah, it. You yeah. got a fix-it ticket and uh, renew your license uh, tags ticket. Wow. Which so. I did. You're lucky that's all you got for your sass. I, I didn't fix the exhaust. I got, nope. a, I got a cop friend to sign off on it. And turn oh, it's that like in. how it's you no got pulled over a couple times for your um, limo-level window tent and never <laughs> fixed it. <laughs> All right, we're not talking about on your that Subaru or your Neon. <laughs> uh, it's my uh, Subaru. Oh, nice. He got pulled over a couple of times. Oh, Taken on one, it was like I'm just gonna ignore this. And then <laughs> we got pulled over when we were up north for his nice. illegal tint. And then he got mad at the cop because he's like, it's just because we're in a small town and they got nothing better to do. <laughs> I'm like, it can't be that your tint is actually illegal, which you knew putting it on. But that's <laughs> beside the point. The it's the cop's fault. It, it was the cop's fault. He was yeah. a jerk. No, I think we got. He was actually very nice. He didn't give you a ticket. Um, no, that was also the trip where um, and I showed this to Jess the last time because we went to Tennessee not too long ago. Um, and we went over this hill in in Ohio, and as we went to come down this hill on both sides of the freeway, I think we counted like twenty cops because literally it was Labor Day weekend and they were pulling over everybody. Ohio is crazy. I just went to Tennessee for Labor Day weekend in Michigan. No cops. I'm in Ohio. There's a cop every 10 seconds. Someone pulled over. I get into Kentucky. No cops. (laughs) I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I think Ohio, that's like the worst state ever, especially because there are Buckeye fans there. So yeah. if you like the Buckeyes, I'm very sorry. I was waiting for that. Um, I, I mean, was I just, like, it's he gonna dropped be, Michigan It's going to be on my times. old bit. But yeah, um, I mean, there's, I mean, the only thing good that's probably come out of Ohio is Cedar Point in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then, you know, the Football Hall of Fame. Other than that, 
Just Sorry. burn it to the ground. Yeah, that's yeah. about Perhaps it. Perhaps with a I, lighter. What is the lighter story? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ricky. What's your? Uh, you, you mentioned uh, the arson uh, at nine. What uh, happened? Uh, uh, maybe uh, in our l- mid twenties with arson. I, almost. I like that. I like you. You want to jump around and skip the f- the fact that you're navigationally challenged. So <laughs> we're okay. Oh, oh, he is. Oh. He can't even follow the GPS. Like it's literally up, and it's like in a quarter mile turn here, and I'm like, don't you want to get over it? And then it's like point one mile. He's like, "Oh, I got to get over three yeah. lanes of traffic." I get yeah, to- I've I got get no to room to talk because Andrea tells me the same thing that I suck at directions. So no, like, no, that it's was GPS the uh, turn by turn. How- that was the Penny Rail Parkway yes. incident, in which I turned onto the wrong exit, like two exits before I was supposed to get off. So yeah. that sucked. That was I get I, he references that at, uh, every couple of times that we talk he's like oh yeah you're going to Penrose parkway anytime yeah, like every time i call him and he's driving he's like yeah i'm, I'm going down to see my mom i'm like oh did you go the wrong way on Penrose parkway <sighs> right like, hey don't forget how to get home man <laughs> uh, yeah so there's that um there's the incident of which uh we left the movie theater one night from one of those times you took me to see free movies which Cop. which i gotta say uh before we tell that story that ricky took me to a ton of free movies yes um and man that was that was just a, a cool that was a cool thing because he had the ability to yeah. do that, but also at the same time he was getting me out of my apartment when I was in a funk and being like, "Nah, man, yeah. you're not staying here." He was that type of type of friend that was like, "I'm not gonna let sit, let you sit here and wallow in this. Let's go. Let's go do something and get out." You know, hey, want to go see a movie? Yeah, let's go, man. Yeah. So, um, but what happened that night when we left at like I don't know eleven after the movie was over? And no, we're actually going to the movie. We're driving into the movie oh, theater. Oh yeah, that, we weren't yeah. driving out. We were going to. Yeah. So very, very clear. I remember it, yeah. was, it was probably around this time of year where it gets dark early in Michigan. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if you're familiar with the Great Lakes Crossing Mall and you're getting in off of Baldwin Road and, and there's the first turn entrance coming in off that service drive there. And we're like going and uh, Steve goes to turn, completely blows a stop sign. There's a cop right there. I'm like, cop. He just, <laughs> he's just music's going. He's like, why didn't you tell me there's a cop there? And I'm like, dude, I said there's a cop there. You had the music up really loud. So he's like, you didn't say there's a cop there, and I'm like, oh. totally like, like comedy so it's movie humor. Your fault. Yeah, yeah, there's a cop there. I don't know if you saw that. While we're getting written up, he's like, you're such a dick. Yeah. So you got, got that a, ticket too. I got a warning for that one. Uh, yeah. I didn't get a full ticket. I got a. They gave me like a seatbelt violation, so I had to pay like seventy bucks. Or yeah, whatever. They, they were nice. Like, did you see us? She's like, nope, nope, sure didn't. <laughs> I'm like, hey, dude, there's a cop. <laughs> That's what I do every time on your way to Tennessee. I'm like, cop. Cop, yeah. cop to the left, cop to the right. I've told I've told every person that sits in the passenger side, you have to do a better job at navigation than Ricky yes. did because he didn't warn me of a cop. Oh, I did. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, the lighter. What? What's the oh, lighter? Lighter. Story? Go ahead, buddy. Tell the lighter. So yeah, I mean, as you can tell, so I, I caught a dumpster on fire. So that you know, my history with fire has always been uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And speaking of that, Steve, you sent me a picture of a lovely bonfire that you had the other weekend. So oh, it's great. Dude. Uh, Man, and those awesome. flames probably it looked like about 30, 40 feet tall. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was something. Yeah. We, uh, could, we could post that. Yeah, yeah. That was great. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I mean, I would always have a lighter on me in my younger years. I was, you know, lighting fireworks off and Every stuff. Every pyromaniac should yeah. have a lighter with them at all so times. So if you, if you ever like to, you know, like throw little fireballs with a lighter, then you also know that if you take a lighter and you kind of hold it off to your sock and it lights the fuzzies on fire and lights your whole sock on fire. So. Steve had an apartment, and me, uh, Steve, and our buddy Jeff used to get together on Sunday nights and just watch Sunday night, like Sunday all day, you know, watch football, yep. and then we'd go grab something to eat, come back, and watch Sunday night football. And Steve's like out, and next thing you know, I'm like, hey, Jeff, you want to see this man? He's like, yeah, what? I literally take the lighter and I light Steve's sock, and it like catches it on fire, you know, and he's like, Wakes up, he's like, what the hell? He's just like shaking his foot, you know? It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> my foot was on fire. <laughs> So, this guy's laughing. So he basically at me. lit his foot on fire. Yeah. Uh, Jeff that and I are like laughing. Girls don't do those kind yeah, of things. No one's ever lit my foot on fire. He's like freaking out. Like, dude, it wasn't. On, it was going to go out in a second. He's like, you're going to go burn my hair out. I got my leg. He can be dramatic. I did get my revenge though. Oh, did you? <laughs> because yes, you did. I got to be yes. the best man in his wedding, and I got to give the speech. Yes. So Andrea's sister gives a speech before me and is crying and everybody's crying because it's this emotional <laughs> sister bonding speech. And is I'm that like Becky? <laughs> I'm like, great. So I gotta get up here and follow this. So I get up there and then I'm like, you know, I basically just give a fair warning to Andrea to make sure that she hides all of her lighters because Ricky will light her socks on fire while she's wearing them <laughs> if she sleeps. Of which your grandpa was the only one who laughed in the room. You could hear him in the back just howling. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, he's he's proud of you for that. Yeah, yeah, but, proud of. Yeah. So, 
Uh, at this point in time in your career, currently modern day, you're in a you're in a transition in which you really yeah. can't say, but the biggest point of it is is that you've never stopped trying to climb. No, I've I've uh it's like Miley Cyrus. The cl- <laughs> you're just like Miley Cyrus, the climb up in here. I don't even know what that reference is. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard a single song of hers. Well, no offense, there's one but... called The Climb. <laughs> never heard. Never All right. Heard about Ricky. No, so. I, I just, I've never stopped, man. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, the work that I, that I do now is more consulting based where I'm working with, you know, providing tools for business people. Um, and yeah, I just never stopped, you know, uh, I surround myself with people who think a lot bigger than I do. Um, you know, some of the most influential people in my business life is, you know, my, my friend Ian Pruckner. Uh, so if you look him up, you'll get an idea who he is. Uh, he's actually got a Ted talk coming up. Okay. Um, so that'd be cool. But, um, you know, I, I work very closely with him, uh, and he's really helped me get a lot better as a person and just understand, like really control my thinking and what is possible and identifying limiting beliefs, you know, like to the point I said earlier, who told you you couldn't do something. Yeah. Um, you know, and then my, my good friend Aristida and business partner, you know, we, we do a lot together and, uh, he's a mental ninja, as I like to say, he's always like chant, like, it's like nice. Mr. Feeney. If you ever watch Boy Meets World, like everybody needs a Feeney in their life, you know. Nice. He's my Feeney. You know, we a lot of my friends that are advisors and stuff. You know, we joke and we call him Feeney because, you know, he's the guy that's just like brutally honest in your life. And if you don't know this person, you think he's a dick, um, yeah. but he's not. You yeah. know, same people say that about me, but like, people no, say I genuinely me care <laughs> enough about you to tell you yeah. the truth. Like, yeah. I'd rather you know tell you the truth than you know appease you or disappoint you with the yeah. truth than appease you with a lie. Like, yeah. And well, I was like, you know who you're asking? Are you sure you're asking the question? Because yeah. I'll answer it, but I want you <laughs> like, to be yeah, sure. Like, yeah, you sure you want me to answer this question? Yeah. Yep. Um, very seldom, like, Andrew and I, like, she'll ask me, I'm like, really? Are you sure you want me to give me my opinion? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, Ian and Aristide have been very influential. You know, a lot of other people in my life. But it's just never settling for what's possible, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's also very scary, you know? And, and what got you here will not get you there. That makes sense. You know, you got to develop into that person yeah. that is worthy of having, you know, whatever it is that you're pursuing. You know? Yeah. That's a good, I feel Man. like that's a good, like, umbrella yeah, for I, the story. I, yeah. like, I like that. Well, yeah. say, say that again. What's got you here will not get you there. Yeah, what got you here won't get you there. I mean, Man, keep, I like that. keep building, keep growing, keep learning, keep going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can give you some real quick, but it's all right. That, that'll kind of tie. I mean, you look at everything I've had to go through. I mean. You know, we didn't talk about it much, but, you know, my wife and I have been married 17 years. Going in our 10-year marriage, you know, we lost our youngest, younger, youngest kid. We have three children, and our youngest passed away, you know. Yeah. And so most, the thing that scared me the most through all that was, like, most marriages don't survive those types of things. That's you true. Know? But learning all of that stuff and, like, learning how to process those things and, like, understanding, going through a lot of the things that you need to process through, like, PTSD and trauma and depression and stuff like that. But also learning like a lot about yourself, but also how to help the people around you um, and understanding like, hey, just because something bad's happened in your life doesn't mean that has to define you. Yeah. You know, there, be the reason why people continue to get better and improve upon life. Yeah. You know, if I was the only example of someone who grew up, you know, low income and had every reason to get in trouble and fail. Yeah. I didn't ask to be put in the situation. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I owed it to those people to be the best example of person going through something like that. Because what if I was the only person that ever came across that shared the same beliefs that I have or similar yeah. walk of life? Like, well, if that person can do it, then I know I can do it. Yeah. And I, what I like is, is that, I, you know, Eli passing was a horrible thing for yeah. all of us that knew Eli. Yeah. But I know that what you have done is not stopped. No. You have not done anything different. If he was here, you would have done the same thing with your drive. And I think that carries his memory. At least for me, it does. The fact that like you kept pushing, it I, gave you more drive, I think, to push. It gave me a reason to value things a lot more. And Andrew, I'll tell you that I, the biggest, I wouldn't say regret, but the thing I'm more aware of now is like, working so much that you're missing out on moments like i've always been there for my kids i've never missed anything but it's like when you don't have something in your life anymore you always like man i could have done that i could have done that so now i'm more focused on trying to be more intentional i have a very like if you understand how adhd works like i could sit down and just get totally 
tunnel vision and focus. And I don't realize eight, 10, 12 hours have passed away. And Andrea Columbus like, Hey, you're going to see the family today. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's not yeah. being negative. My wife, but like she literally balances me out. Yeah, I was going to say somebody like that needs the other side, that yes. other person to pull them back. And that's, yeah. you know, your relationship that's being together and, you know, yeah. yin and yeah. yang kind of thing. Like, yeah. You need a partner who's not you, who's different yeah. than you, who can balance you. Yeah. yeah, but I've learned to be more grateful, value the relationships and friendships that I have. It wasn't sh- too long after, you know, my son had passed away. Like, the way I dealt with all that, whoops, popped the mic there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was me. But the way I dealt with that is I hyper-focused on work to where, yeah. like, literally nothing mattered. Like, Andrew would bring stuff up to me, like, and I'll, I'll worry about it when I'm making millions of dollars a year. Yeah. And the, the detrimental effect that I yeah. people don't realize but Steve called me one time. He's like, hey, bro, we got to talk, man. And legit, Steve's always kind of got, yeah, whatever. You know, we've never, he's like, hey, bro, like, I'm legitimately worried about you. Like, you don't call me. We don't talk. Like, I'm, I love you and I care about, like, I'm worried about you. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm being that friend I said I would never be, you know? Yeah. So you need those people yeah, in your life. Yeah, you do, for so. sure. And that's the relationship him and I have had for a long time is that relationship. And I, I think everybody should have that one person or two people that in their lives where literally it's like they can look at you they can say what they have to say yeah and your relationship you're not going to hold a grudge against them or be bitter you're going to take it and you go all right you know me yep so i i accept what you said and i'm going to figure this out you yeah. know and that's the relationship him and i have had for yeah. the entire time we've known each other yeah. there's never been a point we don't we, we like to say we don't sugarcoat anything. No. Yeah, you can't. Like, a friendship like that, if you were sugarcoating it, you don't have a friendship yeah, for that no. long. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. yeah. We joke pretty hard. So, you like, are these, we're <laughs> very uh, sarcastic, very cool. Very, Sometimes they're joking. Yeah. And if you didn't know us, like, are these guys, like, being serious? Are they kidding right now? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do we at, have, at the end of our podcast, yeah, we, do always, we have time yep. for entertainment. We got time for, okay. some, for some time. entertainment. We, we, there's always time for entertainment. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I forgot uh, about that slogan. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned being a drummer. Yes. And I'm a guitar player. I like music. Jess is a avid van- vinyl collector. I'm, I'm a former alto sax player and piano player. Nice. <laughs> so. So we have a few bands. I asked you for bands that were your favorite, which you were like, oh man, you gotta narrow this down. Yes. So. Uh, so just a, a few bullet points on each. Yes. A few bullet yeah. points on each. The first one we got is the Foo Fighters. Heck yeah. I always think of the Futos music, yeah. like the yes. music video. Yeah. And I always see like um, uh, Hawkins with his like braids and yeah. like Futos. <laughs> yeah. So for you, F- Foo Fighters, what was it? Uh, I love Foo Fighters, man. Uh, I mean, Taylor Hawkins, you know, rest in peace, my friend. But if you ever, you know, think of Animal from the Muppets, that was Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I love how yeah. the guy plays. You know, I just I uh, emulate a lot of his drumming. I mean, guy just throws down. Yeah. Uh, then you got you know Steve Grohl when you know obviously Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Or, sorry, Dave Grohl. I'm looking at you and I'm thinking yeah. So <laughs> Dave Grohl, good lord. Yeah. Combination of Dave Grohl and me. Stephen Ogle. Uh, but yeah, so with Dave Grohl, you know, playing drums for Nirvana, which goes to my second favorite band, Nirvana. You know, yeah. very formative in the grunge years, man. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. So uh, listed after Foo Fighters, you put Mumford and Sons. What's the connection with Mumford and Sons? Yeah, Mumford and Sons, man. I, I love that, you know, country folk, you know, very, you know, just folk stuff. But at the same time, that uh, lyrics in the album, uh, any of their stuff is very deep. And singer, I jammed songwriter. that. Yeah, singer songwriter type stuff got yep. me uh, got me through after my son passed away, just going through some tough stuff. And I was just playing it the other day. I'm like, man, I forgot how much I like these guys. Yeah. He just bought me a Mumford and Sons album for my birthday. And he's nice. like, I was like, I do like them. I know I've said it, but I kind of forgot. And I don't have any vinyl. Yeah. So that's my first Mumford and Sons vinyl. And. To piggyback off you a little bit, when my dad passed away, I got stuck on Mumford and Sons. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. interesting. I got, I got stuck on their second album, not nice. Sigh No More, but the album that comes after that. I, mm-hmm. I just Babble? got, I got uh, Babble. Babble. Yeah, I got, dude, I got same on one it. for me. Yeah. yeah. True story. Yeah. And my dad's the one who introduced me to them. Wow. But, like, yeah, I, there's just there's something about Marcus Mumford's voice, man. Yeah. He has that voice that feels emotional and raw, mm-hmm. and their lyrics... Their their lyrics pull no punches, man. No. Yeah. Like I, I I can I can agree with Mumford and Sons, man. It's good. Also, I like the Foo Fighters too, but yeah. Mumford and Sons was good. Uh, the third one on your list is a band that you and I like. Jess is not so much into the hardcore, but Living Sacrifice. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> but we 
owe Bruce for that one. Yes. Andrew's little brother, yeah. Bruce, is the one who got us into Living Sacrifice. Yeah. Which, is that one of your metal bands? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a bit about what your influence is there. Yeah, Living Sacrifice, I love them. Uh, just a lot of hard, like, really hard thrash, like, just... It's all I could say, man. If if I'm having a rough day, I'm like putting it on and I'm just letting it run. Yeah. Um, you know, I've actually developed a friendship with Art, you know, uh their bass player. So yeah. we became Facebook friends and kinda chatted and done some business with them. So he's a good dude. And, so, yeah. And see, that's an that's another thing that's really cool is that when you were sixteen, seventeen, you were yeah. listening to them and now you're doing business with one of yeah. them. That's man, dude, that's just that's fantastic. Yeah. Like that's really cool. Uh, next band on your list is Lincoln Park. Yeah, what can I say about? We gotta love Lincoln Park, man. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln I, Park's I like, great. I like Limb Biscuit, but like Lincoln Park took like you know really it's uh, rapcore, I think is what they call it. But they took yeah. you know like the whole metal scene, rock theme, and they mixed it with you know rap and hip hop. And I mean that just I love that their drummer is freaking sweet, um, and the way they're taking a lot of that, a lot of rhythmic stuff that they do, and they it's very diverse. You know they have a very niche sound, but yeah, pr- pretty broad sound that they have too. They they took several genres, mashed them together. You had Chester who could scream. Yes. You had uh, I can never remember his name, but he did Fort Minor to do the yeah. hip hop portion yeah. of it, and then they even had a DJ plus drums, bass, guitar. Yeah. Like they just they mashed they meshed this sound together in the early two thousands that changed music, yes. which was really cool. Yeah, with Chester with the hip with the with the with the screaming that was like right when I was. Yeah. Really getting heavy into into some of the rock and metal scenes, so it bridged the gap really well. Yeah, so. I love their guitar player. The guitar player is fantastic yes. too. Last but not least is Godsmack. I loved yes. Godsmack. I had no idea. That's oh awesome. my god, they loved Godsmack. I saw them in concert every single time they came. Nice. I saw them so many times. Yeah. I love Godsmack. I've never seen them once. What What about you? What's What's your What's your draw to Godsmack? Their sound. Yeah. Like, I agree. I mean, when you listen like to most of their stuff, they have very, very few songs that are like not hard or in your face. Like, when you hear, they got a pissed off, angry, aggressive sound. Yes. And that's an album where I just throw on and I'm like freaking throwing down to drums. Like, I've literally busted a lot of pair. I busted a few drum heads, sticks, even like busted knuckles. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I loved God's name. I still do. I, I can say uh, that I read this week an interview with with Sully, the lead singer, nice. and he mentioned because they just released their new single this week. Oh, mm. I didn't hear it. And okay, he said that. that they are doing their they are going to release their final studio album. They're not nice. done as a band. Yeah. But in the interview, he gave out a couple of stats that I didn't even know that I thought was very cool. They've had twenty seven number. Top 10 hits, wow. 11 of which were number one. And he's like, we could go to any town in the world, play two nights in a row, and just play our singles and never play the same single in both shows. Wow. Wow. And he's like, so we're going to tour for this album, and then who knows? Maybe we do like a Greatest Hits tour. He's like, we got oh my, families. I would be there for we sure. We want to spend time with our families more. I would go like, 100%. They'd be I going. Would go. I've never seen them live, but I would go to that show. Oh, oh I've oh, seen dude, them so I'd many love times. it. I, one of my favorite Godsmack, I saw Godsmack and Rob Zombie together, and that was oh, like nice. an amazing concert. <laughs> I love Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an interesting character. He is. Very interesting. Yes. The the, the drummers on your list, uh, Taylor Hawkins, uh, Mumford & Sons doesn't have a drummer. Uh, Living Sacrifice has got Lance Garvin. Yes. Um, Linkin Park, I can't think of his drummer, and I can't think of Godsmack's drummer, but Godsmack's drummer is one of the most technically sound guys i've ever seen yes. on stage not it the is, original drummer either no and he it is insane what he can do on stage oh it's it's it, and correct me if i'm wrong i think it was after their first album that really hit they their drummer switched and that's when they had a very definitive drum yes. sound and he just took it to another level i sit there and watch that guy's like dancing behind a set and it's like yeah oh. and sully yes. plays drums live yes they have they a do. thing where him and, and yeah. yeah live, and I'm like, dude, this is sweet. Yeah. They, so. They, so when they tour, we're all yes. gonna have to go. Yeah, yeah. that's that's gonna be yeah. a fun time. Andrew's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Andrew Andrew <laughs> likes like she likes some rock, but she's not much of a hard rock metal fan. You know, yeah. think about Pod and like uh, uh, Project Pil- 86 and Pillar. Pillar. Yeah, uh, she got me into yeah. Pillar back in the day. Yeah. So 
Lester cool. Estelle Jr. is a fantastic drummer, oh, by the way. Dude, Lester's great. Yeah, Lester's great. And then you guys uh, could do a drummer episode. Yeah, we could. I mean, we like, could. Yeah. You talk about um, uh, Taylor Hawkins. You know, I mean, Chad Smith, the Chili Peppers. Uh, they are very close. They're like best friends. Oh, okay. Chad Smith is actually a mentor to uh, Taylor's son. Oh, okay. Uh, his godfather. Nice. So, um, yeah, all that Very keeps cool. you know connecting. So yeah, um, I mean, we I, I saw the video that um, Taylor Hawkins' son was playing. Yes. Oh my gosh, that, that got was, me choked up. Oh my god, that was so amazing. The Even, side by side. Yeah, that was, I think I sent that to you on Insta, yes. and I said, "Check this out, man." I'm like, it gave me chills. I'm in bed one night. Andrew's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, look at this, you know. It, and because we'll lay in bed really at night, cool. and Andrew like I snore, so God bless Andrea. Like she listens to things while I'm trying to sleep, and then when I stop snoring, she falls asleep. But I'm like, <laughs> I literally got in my feels, man. I saw this and I'm like, wow. And then yeah. I go on this rabbit trail. But like side by side so comparison, cool. you got to find it. It's a playing hero. You got a son. Literally, it's a spitting image of like oh, yeah. him behind the drums, mannerisms, the way he's hitting the drums. Yeah. And just, yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, for Linkin Park, the drummer is Rob uh, Burden. Okay. Yes. And for Godsmack, it's Shannon Larkin is their drummer. Alrighty. So nice. Didn't want to leave the podcast without having said their names. I feel like that. Yeah, was I know those of... names when I hear them. It's pretty bad that I don't know them by name. Yeah. Except ones I really like. Um. <laughs> so right. man, a chocked full episode. We yeah. had a yeah. lot to unpack in there. Yeah. We've got more that we could unpack on another podcast, yeah. but we're gonna we're gonna yeah. close it off here. We're definitely gonna have you back as a guest. Thank you for being on um, and sharing yeah, your yeah, story. Absolutely, man. I I I've said it before. Like you're one of my best friends. Like it's we've been through a lot together. You've been through a lot on your own, yeah. and I've been through a lot on my own. But we've always been there for each other. Um, and man, I just I. I I love you, man. You're a good dude. So. Love you too, buddy. Aww. So, <laughs> you guys don't see it, but there's like little hearts right in the middle <laughs> going yeah. off. I can see them. So, uh, that I believe is all we can say this week. We yeah. have, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for if we can just say wherever you find your podcast, um, tell your friends. Yeah. Uh, and give also, us feedback. Let us know if you like our human interest story so we can do more. <laughs> do you have. Uh, anything besides Facebook where people reach you on Instagram? Like, do you have Instagram, a Instagram? Ricky thing? Bobby eighty three playing off of uh, Talladega Nights. That's clearly <laughs> his professional. Ricky Bobby platform. I don't, I don't. It's funny. My marketing scheme. People like like you don't post anything about money and finance. Like literally, I post the most funny, sarcastic, yeah. borderline obscene memes you'll ever find. I've gotten more business from that. So if you if you're ever up for a good meme, find me on Facebook. Find me at Rick Ayers, and then you can find me on Insta at Ricky Bobby eighty three. Think okay. it is. You'll, you, yeah. All right, cool. All right. So uh, look for our photos and posts this week. We'll post some good stuff uh, that we got that's uh, from way back yeah. in time when uh, we were You're much gonna younger. You're going to see my husband that doesn't even look like my husband. Oh, my gosh. It's insane. Yeah, like, without the beard and yeah. short hair. Steven without a beard is like, I feel like I'm cheating on my husband with my husband. <laughs> it's very strange. So, so perhaps that's all we can say. That is all we can say this week. I'm Steven Ogle. I am Jessica Carter-Ogle. Ricky Ears. Cool. We'll see Bye you guys y'all. next week. Oh, you cut me off. Bye, y'all. Bye.